0: Two best friends who love to chat Oh, what it's like to be an To Aunt, a podcast for people who wanna look at the world through aunt colored glasses. My name is Aunt
1: Pat. And I am Auntie Mags. Pat it's so good to see you. you seem you seem chipper. You seem real chipper today.
0: Yeah, I think I finally figured out my allergy medication.
1: Good for you. So you're not taking Claritin all day every day anymore? Like No I,
0: No, no. It's just I yes, I'm doing that. And I'm doing a neti pot.
1: Oh, good for you. I that is a fun neti pots is so fun because it's like, what if drowning were the cure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I
0: don't know why I don't like swimming in the ocean more. It should be because it's so cathartic and therapeutic to Nettipot. But, you know, when you're in the ocean and you get a big wave, I don't feel like that when it goes up there that that way.
1: I wonder if that's temperature because, you know, the water's nice and warm when it's going up into your nasal cavity. But when when you're in the beach, it's like, depending on which ocean you're in, it could be very cold.
0: Yeah, that might be it, actually. Now that you say it out loud, that sounds true.
1: And also, you know... Whenever I'm in the ocean, I'm like, death is all around us and it's coming to crash down on me right now. One time I got tossed into a wave so badly that when I came up, I'll never forget this. I was in Myrtle Beach, of course. And when I came up, it looked like I had a, a penis, which is fine. Good yeah. if you got one. You know, yeah. you listen to this and you heard, you know, a woman with a penis and you thought it's something bad about it. You could see yourself out of this podcast. Because- Show
0: yourself out. We'd all be lucky to have more. More stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got out of the beach. I, got, I walked out of the ocean and it looked like I was John Ham. You know, it was, it was, I was God a, bless. Right?
0: Imagine you're waking up one day and you're John Ham. Oh my God. The things I would do. I've got a running list probably somewhere.
1: Yeah, I swear. He's, he's so, I've never heard of somebody before where the world was like, hey, buddy, you got to start wearing underwear. And, like, that's what they did to him. The world did that to him because he's too endowed. I hate the world we live in. Yeah, it's unfair.
0: If someone is that famous and they don't want to wear underwear and they want everyone to know they're not wearing underwear, that's the world I want to live in without any judgment or shame.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: Anyways, did I tell you my, my fridge is freezing all of my food? You started to. You texted me about it halfway, and I thought something had happened to you, but I, I assumed you'd fallen asleep.
1: No, no, no. I, I just gave up. I just thought, what's the use? But yeah, in my fridge is... We had a power outage the other day. My fridge went out. And ever since then, it's like freaking Elsa in my fridge. Because everything's frozen. And there's there's no way to stop it. I, my, r- fresh spinach. Frozen solid. If I wanted frozen spinach. You know.
0: I feel like the lesson here... Like, if we're going to use frozen as the example, you can't be codependent with your refrigerator.
1: Would you elaborate on that? Because... Because
0: I feel like the message in the movies is... You know what? Your sister has problems. Let her alone. So maybe the takeaway here is your refrigerator is doing its job maybe too much. Let it alone. Don't get pulled into it. Don't emotionally get, dra- you know, get dragged into this.
1: I got to ask a follow-up because was your takeaway from the movie Frozen, leave your sister alone? Well, don't chase after
0: her. She's cold. She wants that. So don't go running off... After her, you're putting everyone in jeopardy now. Did you finish watching the movie? No. Okay. <laughs> because I feel like it's an indictment of codependency. And as we know, that is my love language. So, no, I'm not interested in being
1: fixed or changed. Thank you so very much. Okay. But the thing about that is, it was so, Frozen is such an epic movie for so many different reasons. One, it's a good breakup movie. You don't think it is, but it is. Go watch, I watched Frozen. In 3D with my friend Abby uh, after a really bad breakup, and oh my God, it was life changing. We were the two full grown adults in the theater, and I uh, hadn't been eating for a while, and she bought me a soft pretzel, and then we went to Italy after, and oh my God, what an adventure! That's a full day. It is a full day, but I also want to say this: that movie's so great because for a bunch of reasons. But one, did you know that Frozen is one of the first Pixar films to feature a gay family? Was it the snowman's gay? No, (laughs) no, no, it's not Olaf. Although he could be, you know, that guy does a lot of musical theater. Good for him. I've learned my gaydar is busted. Your gaydar does not exist, my friend. Yeah. Oh, it's it's when he goes into the when it's when they're climbing up the mountain and they go into that little shop and the man uh, says, "Yoohoo big summer blowout. <laughs> and, he, and he says, uh, you know, you could I'll go into the sauna with you could go in with my family. And he says, hi, family. And you look in there and it's a man with a bunch of kids. He's like, a, they're, they're a gay couple. Ugh, that is so I
0: wish I'd hung in. Well, now yeah. i got all the time in the world to watch it, so maybe I'll revisit it. But again, I'm not interested in changing or ameliorating my situation with
1: codependency. So I just want that said out loud. I understand that, but I just want you to know that if you didn't make it to the point in the movie where they get to that little shack that's a store, you didn't make it to the midpoint, buddy. That's a distinct possibility, yeah. All right, right, we'll give it a shot. Well, speaking of codependent...
0: And not to set this up too much, because I'll just let them divulge what they want to about their relationship. But, man, are we excited or what to have Aunt Cece and Uncle Thad with us today? Welcome.
2: Hi.
3: Thanks face. for having us. So so good to see your faces.
2: Yes. So we just we you were we both are delightful, and we we're so excited to
1: talk with you. We could not be more thrilled that you are here today. And I I say this a lot, you know, every time we have a guest, I say this is the best guest ever. But this time I feel like it's the truest it's ever been. We are so happy that you're joining us. Thank you for making time for us. We're so, of course,
3: pressures on, I guess.
2: (laughs) Funny (laughs) enough, I have heard you say that before, but this time I
1: actually believe you. (laughs) Believe women. I've always said that. Believe women.
0: She She said it before. It was like a fun thing to do. Now, have you guys seen Frozen? Do you know what I mean? Like, have, has everyone seen it except me to the end?
2: I have seen it. Um, we saw it together.
3: Well, I don't recall the end.
2: I don't remember the end at all. <laughs> she puts the shoe on and it fits or something like that, right?
1: Very close. Pat's nodding her head like she knows. that's not <laughs> <laughs> Very close. Very close. In this one, they realize that the true love the, the You know, the whole thing is only true love will save you from a frozen heart, which is that is codependent. I agree with you. But it's until you realize that the true love story there is between Elsa and Anna, the sisters. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. Which, you know, in the ant community, there's a lot of chatter about Elsa being gay, which was touched on very, was hinted at just a whisper of it in Frozen
3: 2.
2: Well, let me say it here now. I'm OK with that. That's fine with me. I can support that,
3: and I, I think I'm on board as well. I, I'm not sure why why we need to know the sexual orientation of cartoon characters, though. Well,
1: well, yeah, that's I understand that, but also, you know, it's a big deal if you if you if you're in the LGBTQIA plus community, it's a big deal. You know, representation matters, but it's also really fun to say like, oh. I won't have to suffer to the uh, watching this woman be rescued by a man again. Mm. Like this woman could be rescued by another woman or she could rescue herself and that's very fun for
2: me. I can definitely appreciate that all the choices that women have now, but I also would like to say sometimes it's okay to be rescued by a man. I mean if if everything else is okay, can't that be a choice too?
3: Well, CeCe's not very uh, technically proficient, so sometimes I have to, uh, you know, for, for the Zoom chats and whatnot. Like
2: he had to set this up entirely. I
3: set this up. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. we had two laptops going, and somehow there was a there was a delay thing going on where we we both had.
2: <laughs> I heard my voice. I heard it outside of my head, and I said, "Please fix this." I
3: was stuck in an endless loop of of echoes.
1: Yeah. Well, everything's
3: fine now well we've we've worked it all out, yeah.
1: Has anyone said something more poetic on this podcast pat than the phrase "stuck in an endless loop of echoes? No, that was something special
3: well a- as you know i do uh I do teach intro to poetry at the community college.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that
0: when you just tell people what poetry is because I feel like we got a lot of people running around in this country. They don't even know what that is. If you said, what's poetry on the street? You know, they'd be like, I don't know.
3: Well, that's right. That's right. It's it's a 12-week course, and the first seven weeks are just, what is poetry? Hmm. And then they have a good grasp of it maybe for the last five weeks, and then we can move on to actually teaching them a poem.
2: Yes. Well, he taught me all about poetry with those magnets that you put on the refrigerator because I didn't get it. And so uh, after our first date, Thad said, I'll show you. And then he put all these magnets on the refrigerator and moved them around in different, uh, you know, scenarios. And all of a sudden I was like, I understand.
3: Well, you can string any series of words together and, uh, and it makes a poem of sorts. It doesn't have to make grammatical sense necessarily.
2: All
0: right. Well, then follow up is then, because I love this idea that poetry can be any word strung together, which is what you just said out loud and it's documented so what makes a poem then? Could I just, you know, mumble something? And I'm a, I'm a poet. This is, I, I just feel like, um, you know, I, I, sometimes it feels like oh, only certain people have access to what poetry is. What, would, what poem do you use that, or, or what makes a poem?
3: Well, after the first seven weeks of mostly just me lecturing, uh, then, then we, do, uh, we do Robert Frost stopping by woods on a snowy evening which, uh, wh- whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. Uh, and the, two, the two memorable opening lines of, the, of that. Uh, and, and then, just to jump ahead to the end, uh, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. Mm. Uh, so he repeats the same line. Uh, with, many people theorize that Frost had a hard time coming up with a rhyme for sleep, which uh, I, I don't buy. Uh it, Jeep.
2: Creep. Beep. Veep.
3: Uh, just off the top of our heads, clearly, we're, we're riffing off, off of that idea. But So it must be intentional, right, uh, that, that he's choosing to uh, end the poem on the exact same line. Uh, It's like when uh, Mike D from the Beastie Boys rhymed uh, Mike uh, 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 commercial with commercial in, uh, in the song Pass the Mic.
2: This kind of talk used to drive me crazy. After Thad and I were married for the second time, I finally was like, okay, it's fine. I'm not going to be bored stiff by this poet talk anymore. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to love it. I'm going to choose to love all of your faults.
3: Well, when I get together with my poet friends, you know, I'm I'm sure we we wax uh, poetic, as it were, uh, and I, I'm sure we're full of ourselves. So
2: They really are, but now I think it's fun.
3: <laughs> you know, I think it, it makes poetry
1: so much more accessible when you mention, you know, the Beastie Boys, because I, as soon as you said that, I thought, you know, of a line that reminds me of, of that anything could be poetry, which is, and I think I may have maybe have said this line before, which is, you know, um, I'm a freaky streaker like Winnie the Pooh, a t-shirt and no pants and I dance a boogaloo and it's lines like that that make the bc boys you know they'll say things like you know the kitten caboodle your grandma's kugel they talk about grandmas a lot they talk about kugel and I don't know any other rappers that are talking about kugel at
3: all yeah well that that's a soft rhyme that's assonance kugel and uh, canoodle yeah so it's actually quite advanced hip-hop is uh, the Robert Frost of all time.
2: Um, Every time we get together, Mags and Thad, they just go on and on about the Beastie Boys. And I think it's so adorable.
3: <laughs> well, hopefully we're not looping anybody out of this conversation. No,
2: I'm enjoying it. Now, Cece, how
0: do you do this day in, day out? Because I I, um, I feel like I learn something when they talk like this, but also my mind wanders away. And I'm wondering... This seems like a lifestyle for you as the listener. And I'm just
2: wondering, how do you do that? Well, um, earplugs is one way to go, um, certainly. And, you know, sometimes he doesn't even know I'm wearing them, which is really fun. (laughs) Right,
3: I'd say most of the time I don't, I don't know, yeah, I don't uh, and I've been droning on about E. e. Cummings for, for for two hours, and then uh, and there's just a blank look on uh, her, her look of uh, comprehension is the same as, as her look of uh, uh, incomprehension.
2: <laughs> That's true. I've been told that before, not just by him, but uh, my mother actually always said that about me. She said I can never tell if you're comprehending or if you're incomprehending, Cece. And I, I like that. I like being mysterious in that way. So yeah. Uh, how else? How else do I deal with it? I go on walks for hours, sometimes days. I mean, there's been a, a few times where it was days. But I came back. I always come back. Isn't that right, Thad?
3: Well, it's a nice time to walk right now because it's fall and leaves are turning. It's
2: true. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. One time I saw you walking, CC, and you had you had what I what I later found out it's a bindle. I thought you were an old time hobo, but you were on a walk. You said you were I'm on a long walk. You didn't want to ride, and you had a stick and a handkerchief with stuff inside of it. And I thought, oh my god, this poor woman.
2: Yes, it's I, I had uh, in that handkerchief. It was uh, bread, um, bread, and you know, uh, emergency. You know, because you need to keep your. Uh, Your health, in good good health on long walks. Now,
3: this this is the packet of vitamin C mix. Right. (laughs) Yes.
2: What did you think I meant?
3: Emergency.
2: Well, an emergency is a thing.
3: Well, certainly it is. That
2: would fit inside of a handkerchief.
3: Now, this is a thing we do. We sound like we're having a disagreement when, as a matter of fact, we're totally on the same page.
1: It's true. (laughs) Now, you said bread twice. Did you bring two types of bread? Because that I'm interested in.
2: Yes, I was actually thinking bread crust, but I couldn't remember the word crust. And so I said
1: bread bread. (laughs) Okay. All right. Did you bring anything to kind of dissolve the emergency packets into? That is an excellent
2: question. That is something I would wonder myself. And here's the thing. You can go into any Starbucks on any corner and ask for a glass of water. You don't have to buy anything.
3: They can't turn you down if you want water anymore at Starbucks. If you if you want to use the toilet, they can't turn you down either.
2: They can't say
0: no.
3: That's a corporate decision on their part.
0: Now, this sounds like something. You two having this being simpatico about this Starbucks and really backing each other up just feels like the kind of glue that though you guys have, you know, gone your separate ways a couple times, this is the kind of long-term stuff that keeps a couple together, you know? You mentioned Starbucks, the other one jumps right on it. They mentioned Starbucks. I mean, this is the kind of relationship I'm looking for, quite frankly.
2: I mean, well, yes, we've been divorced twice now, married three times.
3: Yeah, yeah, we we keep falling back in love.
2: Yes, and it's I think it has something to do with what you were just saying, which is we can no longer tell the difference between our disagreements and our agreements. And because of that, life is well, it's it's a walk in the park, really, with a bindle. <laughs>
3: It's just a series of adventures, and uh, well, it feels like we're 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 on on part three of the of the series right now.
2: Yeah, we're winding things down.
3: Sure, sure, we're ending the trilogy.
1: Are you guys calling it quits after this? Or?
2: Well, we think probably one of us will die eventually. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> chances are, chances are that's going to happen. Yes. Uh but typically the man would go first. I am. Uh slightly older than Cece.
2: Slightly. I'm
3: uh, 11 years older. Um, and uh, I think I'm getting to that age where, where death is uh, just a constant fact of life.
2: You wake up every morning and you're like, is, am is I Is today the day? Oh, yes, you say that too. <laughs> you say, is today so the I day? I wake day? her
3: up. I wake her up and I say, Cece, Cece. And then she's a sound sleeper, so it takes takes a while. Yeah. And I say, "Is today the day?"
2: And I say, "Back off, Satan," because I often confuse him for Satan first thing in the morning.
3: Well, she has night terrors, so y- you don't want to wake someone with night terrors. It's
2: true, and you know why.
3: Well, I've been harmed. I've been harmed in the middle of the night.
2: Yes, kicked, punched, bitten—just
3: about anything you can do to a body. She has. I
2: chewed on his ear for two hours,
3: and I, I didn't mind.
2: You know, the sad thing
0: is that sounds like a dream to me. I would love anyone to touch me ever. Um, But you know what's so interesting, uh, Thad, you waking up and saying is today to the day. It sounds a lot like the, the positive one that today is the day. Yeah. So yours is just a different take on, you know, today's the day. Yours is is today the day and yours is about death.
3: Yeah, and luckily the answer is usually in the negative and then I uh I make a cup of tea and uh and I I read the times and uh and uh, take a morning constitutional.
1: Yes, on the other side of the house.
3: Well, we try to keep us far away from each other when starting our day.
1: Yes. Is that because you're still just kind of recovering from the beating you took? In the morning? Or is that just you just want to start separate and kind of find your way back? Which sounds like, which seems like it's kind of an ongoing theme for your marriage.
3: Yeah, I'm usually applying a poultice to my wounds. Yes. If, if there's anything, uh, if I'm still bleeding from the night before.
2: And it takes me a couple hours to floss and brush.
3: So This woman pays more attention to her dental health than j- just about anyone.
2: Yeah, if if I di- if I die before that, it won't be because of my teeth.
1: I couldn't um, even imagine what death by teeth would be, but I'm sure that's a nightmare that it's I not pretty. It's not pretty. Yeah. I have a lot of nightmares that uh that my teeth have fallen right out of my head. You guys ever do that? That's a recurring nightmare I have. It means you you got a fear of losing loved ones, which is true, and uh money problems, which is also true. So sign me up because I'm <laughs> Or unsign me. Get me off that list. I don't want to do it anymore. Unsubscribe. I'm going to do what my nieces tell me I need to do in my emails. Unsubscribe. I've had that dream.
3: Well, I think we've all had variations of that dream.
2: Sure. And mine, it's caterpillars falling out of my mouth.
1: Did you look it up? What is that? Well, actually, Thad, you know, a lot of poetry is, you know, the messages and the, the meaning behind. What does a poet's brain think that a dream about having caterpillars fall out of your mouth means?
3: Well, interpreting a dream is a lot like interpreting a poem, uh, that you break down the elements, and uh, sometimes it rhymes, sometimes it does not. Um, but there are recurring patterns throughout a dream, much like there are recurring patterns throughout a poem. Uh, a dream might go A-A-B-B, or it might go A-B-A-B. Or even A, B, B, A.
2: I don't know about you, Pat, but I've lost the thread. (laughs) It's just gone. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest with
0: you, I was looking at a list of things that I wanted to do today. I I, I didn't mean to do it, but I did just drift away. Because it sounds a little bit like math when it comes down to it. A, B, X. Before you know it, I'm carrying the four and I can't. I really can't. But, you know, talking about your teeth falling out... Do you know I actually cracked a tooth when we met in that cooking class? I remember that, yes. Well, you bit
3: into that creme brulee.
0: And you yelped like a, like, a, like a pup. I'd left something in there that you weren't supposed to leave in there, and
1: I cracked a tooth, and I had to have emergency dental work. But you know what? That was a fun night, because I took you to the, the emergency d- uh, dentist, and well, you know what? Even under the sometimes most uncomfortable circumstances, we still have a hoot. We had one hoot and one holler. We were so. And and I said, you know what I said? Can can I have some of that laughing gas? And then the dentist said, You don't need it. (laughs) Could you believe? (laughs)
2: oh i wish we could hang out more often
3: (laughs) well we certainly all bonded over our mutual dislike for chef pascal
0: was that his first name or his last name
3: nobody knows he
0: wouldn't answer the question (laughs) it's obnoxious that he wouldn't answer that question i asked him four times he
2: ignored me the whole class unbelievable and his breath how can a chef
1: have such bad breath his gut is all kinds of crazy
3: What's he eating? That's, that's what I want to know.
1: Also, why are you trying to pretend like you're not surrounded by sprigs of mint, Pascal? Grab one, chew on it for a second, and then maybe give people kind of face-to-face feedback about that creme brulee.
3: But he had no sense of personal space. I mean, he, he, was, he would get in your face and, uh, you know, with his death breath.
2: At first, I thought he was hitting on me, but then he did the same thing to you, and I thought, oh.
3: Well, when we first started taking the class, we were, we were not together at that time. We are divorced oh, for the second that's time. Right. That's right. And Sometimes. we rekindled our love.
2: Yes, that's true. That's in true.
3: Chef Pascal's class. So I guess I should give him some credit.
1: Yes. All right. You're, you're right. We should be kinder to the chef. I will say that after that class, my mise en place got a lot better. You know, I'm just better at preparing, cutting vegetables up, getting them ready, the knife skills that I took away from that class. So I guess, yeah, good on him. Also, you know, sometimes sometimes we'll say, you know, things on this podcast, like, you know, run a brush through it. And that can apply to your mouth as well. So Chef Pascal mm-hmm. listening, run a brush through it, see what happens. Throw a little, I use a charcoal toothpaste. You guys ever do that? I've tried that before. Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm very into teeth. I love my teeth.
3: Again, a good so portion teeth. of her day is spent on, on on her mouth.
1: It's true. I gotta wonder. I, I've often said this to myself: If you is it better to brush, you know, twice a day for two minutes at a time, you know, or is it better to just kind of knock it out one hour a week, just get it done one day, brush for one straight hour? What do you think? What's what's your take on that, Cece?
2: I really feel like it's important to do it as often as possible, every single day. I treat it like meditation. I like to take a deep breath. I like to light some candles. I like to put on some ohm music. That's what it's called. And, and then I just veg out and I just brush and brush and brush. Now you run the risk of brushing all of the uh, porcelain on your teeth off. And I've done that. But fortunately we have a good dental plan through his, uh, his teaching job. And so I was able to replace it. No big deal.
3: You'd be surprised at the health insurance that an adjunct professor at a community college can can acquire. Because when we do have a good plan, that's when for sure. we went
2: together. Uh, I didn't go to the dentist at all, and then we got back together. I mean, that was part part of the reason that we got back together this final time. Actually, it's because I needed health insurance.
0: You know what? And the and the older you get, the more you realize that's real romance. A lot, of, a lot of that stuff that I thought was so important when I was younger. You know what the reality is? It's insurance. It's, you know, uh, oh, like, I, I love Megs. She took me to the emergency dentist. I didn't even know that was a thing. I wanted to go to the vet. And she said, no, you can go to a dentist. There, there's an emergency, one of those. But you'll learn what's actually really important, you know? Yes.
2: Someone to turn on your phone for you when you can't find that fucking button.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's even harder now because where the buttons. You know, my phone doesn't even have that one button that did everything anymore. And, and that's the problem, isn't it? They just keep changing things. Yeah. Yeah. Why
0: do all the buttons have to be hidden? Because I feel like on my phone, it's like, try to find it. Good luck. You need to find an indentation or a divot or something. You know what? I don't need that. Draw more attention to the buttons and the, the things. Put
2: arrows to things. Put it in different colors. One time, I couldn't turn on my phone, and his niece Lily said, "She said, unravel a paperclip and stick stick it in the little hole, and that will reboot the phone." And I thought, "Well, if I needed a paperclip as an accessory to this phone, that I I would have not bought this phone, right?" Who
3: oh, has real real know it all that kid?
2: I love her. She's great.
3: I mean, that's the irony, is that uh, I'm very close to Cece. That's another thing that keeps bringing us back together. I'm very close to Cece's family. And
2: I don't like them at all.
3: And I... I have one sister that I'm estranged from. I think
2: she's wonderful. She's my best friend, truly.
3: And her, she has one daughter, Lily, who I am also estranged from. And I
2: treat her like a daughter.
3: So I think that's really, uh, when you get down to it, that's what's bringing us back together is uh, we need each other's families.
2: I, on the other hand, have 12 brothers and sisters, and I can't remember half their names.
3: Well, I could go through them right now.
2: You guys are like the ambassadors to your different
0: countries, you know? That's the kind, that's again, another thing that when you're 24, you don't think, oh, you know what? I'm looking for an ambassador to my own family. But then you get a little bit older and you're like, that's exactly what I need. I need someone to bear the brunt of my family at the holidays.
2: Yes. And he does. I, I didn't even, uh, I didn't even go to Christmas in my family's house last year, but he went for us.
3: Well, growing up in a small family, you know, it's uh, to to have a house bursting with life,
2: it, it, it's it's traumatic for me. It truly sends me into seizures. Seizures, seizures is the word. I Red thought crust. you meant like seizures, like
3: to hell. go gambling. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah.
2: Didn't you? But you did go to Vegas, right? When you didn't go to Christmas. It's true, I did. But what's what happens there? Uh, stays it, there. Is filthy.
1: Oh, it's, it is. It's truly really filthy.
3: Well, that's an advertising slogan. That's not a mantra for life.
1: I'm not even talking about like. Filth as in, like, you know, the sex work that happens there because I'm, we're pro-sex work on this podcast. This is a sex-positive podcast. But, I mean, like, I know people who have gone to Vegas right now during this whole thing, and people are, like, just okay with it. Money is the most disgusting thing in the world, and slot machines and handles and just a bunch of people kind of sweating, getting worked up about how they're ruining their own financial stability you know, that's all kind of going on around you. You know, and it's like, okay, cool. You, you know, the, how fun is Vegas? You sat and you put oxygen, an oxygen mask on your face for 20 minutes, and it was smelled like vanilla. Good for you. You wore snakeskin pants you never had before in a normal state. But when you're in Nevada, that makes sense to you. Good for you. But it's so dirty now that I can't imagine how people are going there. And I say that as somebody who is a humongous fan of RuPaul's Drag Race and knowing that they have a live drag show there now, it still is not enough. The the fierceness of what must be that RuPaul's Drag Race live show isn't enough to bring me to Las Vegas during this whole thing right now. So that's saying something.
2: Well, I'm a people person, so I enjoy watching them, talking to them, Uh, except for my family. I'm a people person. And so um, it doesn't seem so bad to
1: me.
3: Well, you have like 50 first cousins, so it's, it, yes. it, it is overwhelming. It's
1: are you Greek? What's what's your whole what's your deal there? <laughs> I am. I'm Greek.
3: There's some Greek in there. That's yes. for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Spatacopita, <laughs> <opener. laughs> which we we
0: made in that class together. Oh my god, you did! I didn't. How many layers? Enough flaky layers. Half the flakes are getting on my person. I got to uh, Now I got to say it's delicious, but you, you can have it to make it because I can only roll it and, and laminate so many layers. B- butter. God.
3: When this, one, when this one gets going with filo dough, watch out.
2: Yeah, it's true. My my fingertips take over and
1: <laughs> I have no mind of my own. That means that that's when you know that's that's your art. That's what you, that's your calling. If you just if you just tune out like that, and you can make spanakopita without even thinking about it or anything involving phyllo dough, good God, woman, that's outstanding for you. Now, I will say, I have a couple of friends. We've mentioned Richard Sohn before on this podcast. Richard and his wife Rebecca, lovely couple. Took a cooking class, and they learned how to make croissants. Now, that's one that I'm like, I don't have the time. I love to cook, love to bake, love to do it all. Croissants, you got to fold butter in 72 times or whatever? Hard pass. No, thank you. But Richard and Rebecca seem to really like it.
2: I enjoy it as well. I mean, it's very meditative for me. (laughs) Like, I light some candles, I put on the old music, I brush my teeth, and I make croissants.
3: To me, the layers of a good croissant are like the layers of a poem.
2: He likes to say words like that sometimes.
1: Oh, please, please explain. Please elaborate and say the word croissant so many times.
3: Well, you know, it's, uh, pardon me, but it's baked right in uh, that when you, when you fold the layers of a croissant uh, in the same way that, that a poem may contain an idea, a German idea, in a syllable, in a word. In a sentence, in a line, in a stanza, in a canto. Uh, so there are layers within layers in a poem. You know, when I, I bite into a fresh croissant?
2: It's croissant.
3: Well, no, not, not in France.
2: It's France.
3: Well, when you go to Paris, France, France. And, and you go to a patisserie.
2: It's a patisserie.
3: They, they hand you a croissant. A Croissant. And uh, you're enjoying a cafe au lait? It's
2: a cafe au lait.
0: All right.
3: Well, then we've found some agreement there.
0: You know, Thad, I've never asked you this, but I feel feel emboldened by this podcast all the time. Did you not ever want to study something that is worthwhile, like books? You know, because poems feel like short, nonsensical books. And I'm wondering if, you know, you'd be able to do more if you'd studied... um, you know, longer, you know, books or novels or or something like that?
3: Well, you know, I I mentioned my sister that I'm estranged from, and, uh, you know, she is a best-selling novelist, so that you might be getting at the heart of something. Oh, yeah.
0: I can see how that would really rub you the wrong way, considering, you know, you're telling people for seven weeks that you can just put words in any order, and that is a poem, and then... I can I can't imagine, and I say that with love in my heart. And I think you're a wonderful person, but I don't understand half the things that come out of your mouth. And, you know, the other half I think a gold. And and, but anyway, I, I and I feel for Cece,
2: and and that's 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 just honest. I appreciate it. I feel
1: the same way you do, actually. I'm
2: half I'm halvesies about him, you know.
1: Can I ask a follow up question? Of course. <laughs> okay. Now I've got a couple because I. I want to know so much more about the dynamics of your marriage. So if we get into that, I got to learn. But my first and maybe most pressing question was: You said you know your sister's a novelist, um, Thad, and I just... I and then this came into my head. You remember in um, the song "Piano Man" when, when that we learned that Paul is a real estate novelist? Sure. What is that? Do you know what that is? Can you explain?
3: Well, in fact, my sister is a real estate novelist, so it's it's a very uh small subcategory of fiction writers. Most bookstores uh, will not have a separate category for real estate novels um, but it's basic you've combined uh, a real estate listing with a fictional story uh and so if it if there is an actual house on the market. Uh, now, you could go the traditional way of uh, being a realtor who just places an ad or places one of those uh, signs outside on the front yard, or you could write a 500 page novel. Uh, expounding on the, uh, you know, the, just sl- slipping in mentions every now and then, like two skylights, you know, uh, and most people will just interpret that as a as a detail. But what it really is is uh, revealing uh, the the number of rooms and bathrooms, uh, you know. It, so if you're reading a novel and the the author is making a point of telling you it's a half bath and not a full bath. It's probably a real estate novel.
2: It's, it's so much more interesting than he's making it sound. Uh, I find her to be fascinating, and her writing is gripping. It's truly gripping, and everything that he focused on is true, but then there's also sex and murder in every single one of them.
3: Well, I'll tell you what. She's sold thousands of books, but she hasn't sold one damn house, so how good a real estate novelist could she be?
2: I, I'm not here to just defend your sister against you, okay? I, I won't do it today.
1: I wanted to ask, because, you know, you said they all have sex and murder. Do we think that the murder aspect of these is maybe why the houses aren't selling? Because if that's the thing, you know, people aren't always interested in buying a murder house. And that's just my take on it. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just means if I'm reading, you know, I want to learn about you know the dynamics between the characters the motivations the story the the heart the soul all of it i don't i'm not necessarily listening to a book you know what rebecca is my favorite book you know by daphne du maurier and I, it's my favorite book of all time and you know i believe the first line of it is last night i i dreamt i was in Mandalay again see
3: that's a real estate novel
1: i was just going to ask you because like that as i'm reading that book all i'm thinking about is Mandalay. I'm a little
0: upset, and I'm going to tell you why. I feel like this is that kind of thing where you're watching a TV show and they're drinking a Pepsi. How many books have I read that are secretly trying to get me to buy property or something else? And I don't think that that is right. I think it should say on the front. Now, Thad, I don't know, but does it say on the front, this is a long advertisement for, you know, 5220 Morton Avenue. Uh, <laughs> because I don't want to be sold to like this. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not
2: looking to buy.
3: No, if you, if you look a few pages in at the Library of Congress listing, it's probably in the fine print there. But no, they don't usually put it on the front page.
2: You'd be surprised how many uh, real estate novelists there are. I mean, very famous authors. I would have never, like Jane Austen, for example. Always talking about Pemberley or this mansion and that mansion. After I after I read Emma, I bought a mansion in England.
3: Yeah, so that she's a successful real estate novel. And
2: now that's when we were broken up, and yeah. I I went bankrupt because of it. But
3: but whoever wrote Amityville Horror not so good because they couldn't sell that damn house.
1: That's right, because of murder. Like you gotta you gotta assume you know the whole the whole Northeast is taking a hit because of Stephen King.
2: Was Jaws about a timeshare?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was.
2: It was, yes. Uh,
3: and it, it actually, it 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 did pretty well in the winter, but uh, but I think it scared people away for the summer.
2: Now the pet cemetery, uh,
1: that surprisingly was sold.
3: Why? But, but it was converted into a Panera. I believe. Exactly.
1: Did you guys know that in St. Louis? Where Panera is from, it is referred to as the St. Louis Bread Company. It's not even called Panera. I had no idea.
3: Yeah, I know that's not the takeaway. Mind blown. Mind blown.
2: (laughs) But I do, every time that I go on a walk, I stop by Panera for my bread. So, there you have it. I don't understand why these companies do this, because isn't isn't it
0: true, like, um, the Mississippi River divides the country in terms of, like, names of, like, mayonnaise and ice cream dryers and and all that What's radio going stations on? right yeah right oh yeah what
3: <laughs> well any radio station east of the mississippi begins with a w call letter and any th- radio station west of the mississippi begins with a k
2: she's talking about things that are called the same thing that are called different things from from region to region for example pop versus soda i believe right yeah you're
1: both so close <laughs> Now I'm because now I'm like where is the Mississippi River because because you know I spent some time in Ohio and all of the radio stations there are W so which where's the Mississippi River going through isn't it that's east Ohio Pennsylvania New York yeah yeah why would why wouldn't why don't they have K's
3: well then when you get west. Uh, of the Mississippi River, then then you'll get a radio station begins with K.
2: I'm so sorry, but we have we recently uh, rescued a, a dog.
3: We're fostering a Wheaten Terrier,
2: and he's humping the pillows again. He just won't stop.
3: Well, you got to let him get that energy out.
2: We don't walk him enough is the problem. <laughs> but it's very hot here.
3: Well, we we have kind of the same approach that Mags has with the teeth, which is we walk the dog for two hours once a week, exactly. and that's it.
1: Wait, I didn't say that's what I do. I said I always wanted. But 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 you know
3: well, you should give it a shot.
1: It's just something I think about, but you know what I do instead, getting back to it, my niece, when we were trying to get her to learn how to brush her teeth, you know consistently, she was a big fan of one direction, so we bought her a toothbrush that plays that song you don't know you're beautiful um, uh, for, for like a minute or two or whatever, and uh, I thought, boy, if there was somebody. You know who could play a song that I like while I brush my teeth, to to kind of help me time it out. But I can't find a toothbrush that plays the song "For Good" from Wicked, which is you know it's my favorite song of all time. I, I I can't find one. And you know what I just realized that Idina Menzel was Elphaba in Wicked and also Elsa in Frozen. And the works that she has done has touched my life in a way that I am grateful for. Which I don't know what what was I saying? Something about a toothbrush. Anyways, I just played well, It
3: could could be that Adina Mazzel just hasn't signed off on the the toothbrush marketing.
2: You could also play the music in the background while you were brushing your teeth.
1: But I have to be careful because if that song, you know, the one where she's getting where it's getting dark and she's like do not." I cannot understand this musical because
0: every time you explain it to me, it just sounds like poetry, aka fants Hakanamana Are you sure? This sounds, again, and I I always bring this up, and I'm not sure how this actually works, but it sounds like the Manchurian candidate kind of stuff. Just (laughs) filling you with nonsense and sending you out to do whomever's bidding, I guess
2: Disney. I listened to your podcast with Trish, and she happened to mention that you like, you think of Broadway musicals like they're in the 30s and 40s.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I saw Brigadoon a lot I was um, I got in trouble a lot and I didn't like Brigadoon because I thought it was too scary. And so uh, my mother made me watch Brigadoon whenever I was bad. Wow.
2: And so that's your gold standard for musicals.
0: Oh, that's my that's the nadir and the gold standard. It's very mixed up in my head because it was punishment, but it was also, you know, entertaining. So
2: it can be two things at once.
3: Luckily, they only revive Brigadoon every 75 years. That's a Brigadoon reference.
1: I think that I understand why that would be scary because, you know, a whole town disappears. Uh, You know, that's terrifying. You know, every 75 years, that's terrifying. But also uh, it somehow you have like a love hate relationship with it, which I think is great. But, yeah, you're right about that. She always wants, uh, you know, everything has to end in a big musical number in a wedding. That's like her thing or like the town comes back. Or whatever, you know, you know, that's her thing. She's got to have that happen. And it just doesn't happen like that in Wicked, so I can't make a latch onto it.
2: Yeah, and you know, life isn't that neat and tidy. I mean, sometimes you, you know, your husband dies before you. Oh, no, he's right there. Right, right. right.
3: Is today the day?
2: It could be, sweetheart. (laughs) Now, can you, can we just touch on this quickly?
0: Because I think this is a love story for the ages. Because you are on lucky number three together. You've you've divorced a couple times, which we all understand. I am, of course, divorced uh, famously. And um, I'm famously never married. Right.
2: Equally as famous
1: through no fault of my own. If I don't I don't mind telling you through no fault of my own. Certainly not for a lack of trying. Anyway, when,
2: when we first met you both, that's actually how you introduced yourselves to us famously divorced, famously never married. And we thought, well, these, we've got to get to know these women better.
3: And I just accepted it as canon right away. Yes.
0: Canon. There he goes again. I mean, there's no off switch and that's fine. So, um, you keep coming back to each other and I find that really fascinating because there's plenty of fish in the sea and, um, I just really, uh, to me, this is a very uh, interesting and mysterious uh, uh, trip that you're both on together and, I think that you're great together, but clearly some things have gone askew in the past. You know, however many years.
3: Well, I think when we were young, uh, we first met in our in our mid twenties. Yes, uh,
2: you were in your mid twenties, and I was sixteen.
3: <laughs> she was sixteen. Uh, I was twenty seven because Canon again. I'm eleven years older. Uh, so I was. Uh, now this this has got to sound creepy. <laughs>
2: This is going to sound way worse than it was, but when you're there and you're part of it and it just feel, it feels different when it happens to you.
3: So I was teaching high school English.
2: All right. Uh, let's <laughs> just
0: look. I'm I've never heard this part of it, but I will say we've, we've discovered far worse things on this program. So keep going.
1: I don't know if you're familiar because he's, he's a writer, uh, non, non poetry, um, but butts and our friend, Maud butts, uh, they met when he was mid-70s and she was uh, operating a lemonade stand outside of his front yard. So, okay. you know, 11 years, I feel like, yeah, is it a little tiny touch bit, Mary Kay Letourneau, God rest his soul? Yeah, but that's okay because it's not 75 and whatever she was. She wouldn't- Is
2: Mary Kay Letourneau dead? Yeah. Oh, my
0: God. Okay.
3: So <laughs> I st- had to find <laughs> out this way.
0: Uh, I had always meant to write her a letter. <laughs> Why?
2: Uh, no, Billy,
3: Billy you know, is all right, as far as, as far as I know.
2: So, so yes. Yeah, so, but we here's the thing, though. He was my teacher, so we were just friends. We were just friends. Uh, and by friends, I mean uh, I'd slip a note under his, you know, well, his door.
1: Oh God! Thank God! I thought you were going to say penis. I don't know. I didn't know. Uh,
2: I, I. I mean. I, Later. later
3: later she slipped a note under my penis
2: it's something we still do once a year though that's all i'll do it once a year when what's you- the date on that <laughs> what day of the year is it does it change is it is it a surprise it's july 1st of every year it's ha- it's a halfway point wow okay. it mark it marks the midpoint for us
3: and you'd, you'd think i'd know it's coming but every
2: he never remembers <laughs> i
3: never remember and i'm like what's what's this here
2: And he wakes up with a note under his penis. What's the content content of the note? Well, it depends. It it depends where we are in our lives and how we're feeling. If we had, you know, um, well, like, for example, this year, it was all about uh, dinner the night before.
3: Yeah, sometimes it's just about errands. She needs me to run.
1: (laughs) Sometimes it's a to-do list or something he's forgotten that he needs to remember. So sometimes it's like a sweet note and sometimes it's like a honey-do list right under his honey dong.
2: Exactly. Yes. I like how you put that. Very poetic.
1: Thank you so much.
3: Well, yeah, at the time I was uh, I was living in the high school, but I was between residences. And so my uh, my office kind of doubled as my my bedroom. And uh, she slipped me a note uh, just to to let me know how much she appreciated my interpretation of uh, of mice and men.
2: Exactly. He he felt like In of Mice of Men that... Um, I forget what of Mice of Men is about.
3: Well, Lenny and George.
2: Right. Oh, right. And the Lenny rabbit. slow
3: of mind. And
2: the rabbit, right? And yeah. he kills the woman. Yeah. So you had a controversial opinion on this.
3: Well, uh, <laughs> George, George... And this is how I said it at the time, because this was a different era. I said, George is the real... <laughs> now... he
2: would never say that I would
3: never say that now, and you can bleep that out on your podcast, but I have to be upfront about that's how I said it at the time.
2: And I was offended even at the time.
3: Oh, she was very, very ahead of her time. Uh, Was
2: there only one mouse in the
3: whole book? Well, that's the thing. There's one mouse, and yet there are multiple mice in the title.
0: Yeah. I thought it was going to be more like Watership Down.
3: You see a little bit of mice society?
0: Yeah. I was like sold a bill of goods. This is why I don't trust authors.
1: Yeah, you wanted it to be more like an American tale because it was a story only about mice. Oftentimes- It's more like
3: American tale, Five goes
1: west. Right, right. Because, you know, it's a hero's journey. Yes. Oftentimes, I have compared myself um, to Lenny from Of Mice and Men because I do feel a, a real- I love things too hard- You know, I love I've never killed anybody, but I have killed so many goldfish or uh, betta fish or plants or, uh, you know, because I want to love – I want to – I and many relationships.
2: Mm. You smother.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: that's funny you should mention that because the first time we divorced it was because I tried to kill him. For, like, a real? Yes, I tried to kill him for real, real.
3: Yeah, I I think it's probably – you know it's still obviously uh, present today in the, in the way that she mauls me during the night, but but yeah, you actually attacked me with a butcher knife, <laughs> and I started divorce proceedings the very next day.
1: which wow, if am I wrong, or is this just because you're a poetry teacher? you know somebody else who uh, another story involving uh, mice and a butcher, three blind mice. They all run after the, the farmer's wife. Oh, no, farmer, not a butcher. They all run after the farmer's <laughs> wife. This is a song. This is a song. Are all songs poems? A song's poems. Yes, she cut off his tail with a carving knife. <laughs> Three blind mice of men. Three blind mice and men.
3: All songs are poems, but not all poems are songs.
1: Oh. Right.
0: Oh. Really staking a claim here with poetry.
2: Well, here's the thing. I was asleep and I started walking. I was sleepwalking and I found myself in the kitchen and I was having a dream uh, and I was making myself some food. In the, I was making myself a barbecue chicken salad in this dream. And he comes up out of nowhere right behind me. And I, in my dream, I'm slicing the chicken and it's a chicken in my dream. But he sticks his hand in front of me to grab the knife. And I thought it was a chicken. And so I started stabbing his hand.
3: And so I I think you probably noticed it in cooking class before, but you can see that, you know, my right hand is... Can't use it
2: anymore.
3: Can't use it anymore.
0: Looks like a catcher's mitt.
3: Pretty much, which is why I sometimes wear an actual catcher's mitt over that hand, because I might as well.
1: Now, did you... Did they... Sew your fingers together like that.
3: Well, this is this is where medical science was. Now you know. Now I think they say bring the fingers. You know, bring. They do.
2: They say put the fingers on ice and bring them with you. But
3: back then we got no guidance.
2: And I know this because the second time we got divorced, it was because I attacked his left hand.
3: Now that I can, you know, do some rudimentary things with.
2: Well, because I put the fingers on ice.
3: That's right. And it also helps to you know keep them laid out in the order that they have originally appeared on the hand. Uh, that, that's the mistake we made with the right hand. Was
2: And this time I wasn't sleeping. I was wide awake. That was what I was going to ask. Was yes. you sleepwalking or was this a conscious effort? No, it was conscious. And it, it was because he was getting, I mean, forgive me, but he was getting handsy and I wasn't I wasn't up for it.
3: With my one good hand, handy. You were getting handy. I was getting handy. He was
2: getting handy.
0: I overreacted. It was my bad. Have you? Have you? Um, because you've overcome so many things. Have you? Um, gone to couples therapy or anything like that to kind of just talk through the attacks?
3: Well, luckily, her cousin Stavros is a uh, is a therapist. Balky,
2: Balky, Balky Stavros. Yes. Balky
3: Stavros. Yeah, and uh, so uh, well, we don't see him once a week, but...
2: um, No, I, I really, I can't stand him, so it's hard for me to show up at it's all. It's
3: mostly just me going. Yes. But I still consider it couples therapy.
2: Yes, and he comes home and he tells me what he learned, and then I listen to it and I take it in. And I decide whether I want to keep it in or not.
3: And Stavros's wife, Nina, makes an incredible uh, baba ganoush, so uh, I, I will usually bring that home with me. Is Nina
1: Greek or is that she's just cooking out that she just likes to cook it. Is Baba Ganoush Greek?
0: I don't know. I don't know, but it's exhausting to think living in a house with Balki, Stavros, Baba Ganoush. I mean, I like to try new things, but that is
2: a bridge too far. Thank you. I agree.
3: Well, she's, she's certainly more connected to Greek culture than I am.
1: What's the question? (laughs) If I'm being honest, I don't remember, but. <laughs> Why are we
0: still making things out of eggplant? Just give it up. Give up the ghost.
1: You know, obviously, my Italian heritage makes me want eggplant parmesan or eggplant parmesan roll ups. But if it's not in a, in a parmesan scenario, I don't want your eggplant. Keep it. Keep it to yourself and then shut up about it.
2: I can't keep track of eggplant versus squash versus zucchini.
0: Um, but eggplant is the one where it means penis.
1: Yeah, we learned that, didn't we? We <laughs> learned that From Tina, her niece Tina told us that.
0: Yeah, she sent me a bunch of eggplant emojis and she said, do you love these? You know, and I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I love these. How much do you love these? I'm like, I love them a lot. She kept going. She's like, want me to bring you one? I was like, I'd love one. And she said, could you put a whole eggplant in your mouth? She used a little emoji. I was like, of course. She's showing it to all of her friends. But you know what? It brings us closer because I could tell she was joking.
1: Did Uh, she hear you talk about how much you love penetration and that's why she was doing it? She was trying to do something good for you?
0: I don't know. I've told her about the podcast, but I did tell her, you know, it's a sex positive podcast. And she's at an age where, you know, I want her to not see it as a a negative, a bad thing. And I told her I like penetration and she blocked me. Oh, wow. On what? I don't know. I can't get through. Nothing goes through. I'm getting no response. So I I guess she blacked me, but, you know, she'll come around.
3: I I do have to say that this year on July 1st, Cece texted me an eggplant emoji and a paper emoji, and it just wasn't the same.
2: Yes, it's true. I I wanted to be more efficient with my time because I have a lot going on. You got to floss and walk. And I prefer
3: the tactile experience of actually getting the note right there. Well,
2: I gave him a paper cut last year is the problem. (laughs) And I thought, uh, you know what? We've already dealt with two hands. I can't take him back into the emergency room and say I cut his penis this time.
3: We put it on ice just to be safe.
2: And our health insurance will drop us if if that were to happen.
3: Well, hang it all by a thread as it is. I'm I'm an adjunct. I teach once a week at a community college.
1: Now, I was going to say when you said the thing about the paper cut and, and you and you didn't I just started I just watched the uh, Amazon Prime documentary series about Lorena Bobbitt. And oh my god, did we get it wrong as a country? Oh god, it was so good and I was so outraged. That poor woman and that man is a bastard and he was in a he was in a, a, an adult film called Frankenpenis because he tried to get it enlarged. Did you guys know that? I did not remember yeah, that. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
1: And they botched it. We've seen it.
3: We've, it. See, we've seen Franken-Penis, yeah.
1: No, did you, Where is that set? Is that set in, in the region of, of uh, is it Dr. Frankenstein's penis, or did they get that wrong? Which one's the monster?
0: I hate that they never.
3: Well, the original novel by Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, I, I believe that uh, the, the doctor uh, secures uh, parts from a uh from various dead bodies there's no Igor in the book by the way
1: he's the best one and he's the best one in in uh young Frankenstein Igor exactly iconic character
3: but I remember Frank and penis being fairly uh <laughs> honoring the original novel fairly closely. So I I don't think it would be the doctor's penis.
2: I kept falling asleep.
3: I think that's the thing is that there's the monster. It's the monster's penis. Uh, but.
2: It was
0: confusing. Yes. Yeah. After Lorena Bobbitt, I have to say, when that happened and she threw it out the window right of a moving car, I thought this country would be different if more penises were being thrown out of car windows. I think everyone would learn a valuable lesson. Everyone would get in line real quick if it was just a constant finding penises and ditches.
1: Can I say that my favorite detail, there were two things that I absolutely loved about this documentary alright one of them is that she sits down like her introduction to the thing she comes in and she, she starts to giggle a little bit about that she threw it okay which I loved because I'm like yes yes you laugh at that yes you threw somebody's dong into the ditch and I love you for it ding dong ditch <laughs> This pot is my favorite. Okay, so a lot of us in our minds think when she 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 had it in her hand, right? Because she just she pulled, sliced, and then left with the knife and the dong. Okay. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but uh, Thad and Cece, they mentioned their foster dog early, and this dog is going to town on a pillow, going to absolute town. <laughs> Good for you,
2: Benny. His name's Benny. Benny. I feel I feel seen.
1: <laughs> yeah, for real. It's relatable content. But anyways, what I was going to say is, maybe Benny heard this and was like, yeah, this excites me. So she had it in the hand. She had the knife. She gets in the car. She doesn't know where she's going. She's in like a fugue state. I don't blame her. But my favorite detail about this whole thing is that, you know, most of us imagine you drive driving with your right hand and then you whip the penis out the window. Not how it happened. <laughs> This is my favorite, I swear to God. She's driving. She rolls down the passenger, the, I'm sorry, she rolls down the driver's side window, puts her arm out, and throws it over, over the roof of the car. She does a, she's Dr. J hookshot, <laughs> penis into the woods, over the car while it's moving, and then she throws the knife out in a garbage can right by the nail salon she worked at. Oh my God, what a fact. I rewound it. I was like, this woman is a hero. She, thre- she hook-shotted a panouse over a moving Toyota Corolla, if I had a guess.
3: Sounds right.
0: Uh. You know, you said, um, Mags, you said penis into the woods. I would watch that parody. It's the penis. It's the Bobbit penis, and it's a totally, it's into the woods, but they change a lot of the specifics. Yeah, that's the big bad wolf, right?
3: Well, S- Stephen Sondheim is notoriously litigious about any porn adaptation of any of his musicals.
0: Well, I don't I don't know if I see it as a porn. I just see it as like a you know, oh, I went into the woods. I'm a penis. I went in against my will. I was thrown from a car.
3: They Pat- took all the copies of Sunday and the Pork with George off the shelves.
2: Pat, you need to write this. I really think you should. It's a musical. You have it in you. It's a musical and and and
0: uh I just I find myself just wanting to noodle about and, and do something creative, so this might be it. and And you know what? if if I getig if I get sued, the so be it. Good luck, squeezing it's trying to get blood out of a stone.
1: Oh my God, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just he's just going to town.
1: The libido on that dog is admirable.
2: Benny, stop it. You're embarrassing us. I was on a bus once
1: like that. But,
3: well, that- we might have to leave him a note.
1: <laughs> hey, that bus you were on, that wasn't the Greyhound where somebody ate somebody else's face, was it? Was that the same one?
0: No, but remember, I was so worried that was going to happen again. It was right after someone's, and it was just someone rubbing, rubbing up against the armrest there.
1: And I thought, I get it. I get it. I don't want to backtrack, Pat, but I want to ask you, I, you've shared it with me. You don't have to do a lot of it. Will you, Pat, will you just sing just the first few lines of the opening number to the musical that you're working on?
0: Well, this is before I had a point of view. (laughs) It's about a Rust Belt town, isn't it? Rust Belt town. Look at you there. Over the hills and somewhere over there, Rust Belt Town. You made a rust, but also people, Rust Belt Town, nameless Rust Belt Town.
3: Wow. Now that's poetry.
0: Now don't do that. Don't do that because that's not what I wrote there. Now Thad, I think when you say it, you think it's a good thing. But when I hear you say that, it makes me, I, I, I get a little, I just get prickly, you know.
3: You're I'm Town with Town, and you know who else did that? Robert Frost and Mike Diamond. Mike Diamond, Mike D, the Beastie Boys.
1: Oh, God. When you said before that you, you know, y- y- we know now to put things on ice, the first thing I heard was, it tastes good when you pour it on ice. Come on, y'all, it's time to get nice. It's <laughs> get kind of funky. Me and the crew were drinking Brass Monkey. A girl walked by. She gave me the eye. Reached in like a grab, the Spanish fly. Uh, you know that to me. They maybe they. I thought it was Emily Dickinson, but maybe it's the Beastie Boys are my favorite poets.
3: Now that I think. Well, I don't spend too much time on License to Ill in my class, but uh, I, I will get into Paul's Boutique and uh, <laughs> and some of the other albums.
1: To the five boroughs is an. Underrated Beastie Boys album, you know, one of the last, second to last, and I still do choke up when you know an open letter to NYC. Even though I, I, I really, really uh, hope I never go to New York again, I that that is poetry, and I know Pat's going to get bored, and I know is going to get bored, but that that is a that's a very poetic.
3: Well, Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, and Staten, from the Battery to the top of Manhattan. So they reference all five boroughs in two lines of poetry.
2: Now, you might think that I would be jealous right now, but truly, I, I'm supportive of this. If you two want to go have a little weekend or whatever.
3: Um, well, we do have an open marriage.
2: Yes. That's uh, an
3: open secret.
2: It's how we make it work the third time around.
3: Well, she had a thing with Chef Pascal.
1: I did, I'm not proud of it. That alone would probably kickstart the teeth thing, you know, where you'd be like, oh, God, I got to make sure this doesn't happen to me.
2: You're so right.
1: Was that the impetus for you, like brushing your teeth like a maniac or what?
2: I mean, I hadn't thought about that before because I have not been attending the therapy sessions that we're paying for. But now that you say it out loud, I think you are exactly right. Yes, that's exactly
1: when it started happening. I mean, thank you for saying I'm right. But also, Belki's charging you that's to give a family discount. I have a terrible family. I've said it
2: a million times. I'll say it publicly. I am saying it publicly. Is this something um,
0: because I had made an assumption that you had an open marriage, to be honest. You give off the energy. Mm-hmm. Now, um, is this something that your nieces and your nephews know about?
3: Well, my niece, Lily, uh, who I am estranged from.
2: Who I talk to every day.
3: I don't know. I don't know. Is is Lily aware of our marriage?
2: I, I have told her about it, yes. And mostly because I, I wanted, you know, thought maybe she might have a friend that, you know, <clears throat> that might, maybe she could set me up with someone.
3: Now, I certainly know that Yorgi knows, Nick knows, Papadose knows. Uh...
1: I can't believe you told Papadose. Isn't it funny about Greek culture that in, in the same family, one person's first name could be Nick and the other person's nickname uh, name could be Papadose. And it's like, what, where do you draw the line? Because, you know, I, I'm not trying to be mean. You know, pick a lane. Is it going to be an easy name that sounds like a first name? Or is it going to be a maybe more difficult name that's a little bit alliterative but that definitely sounds like a last name? It's like, what are you doing over there?
2: I mean, this is an excellent question and I would just answer it by saying Papados and Nick sound the exact same to me.
3: They just sound Greek. They just sound Greek. I
2: can't tell the difference, but I, you know, I can appreciate, I can appreciate what you're saying. I just can't tell the difference. Oh my God. It's all Greek to you. It is.
1: (laughs) Okay. I was going to say that, but then, you know what I thought? I was like, is that a saying or is that a food court
3: place in the mall? It's Greek to you. It's, well, there is a place called It's Greek to Me. It's, yeah, yeah.
2: It's Greek to Me or It's Greek to You?
3: Well, it's called It's Greek to Me is the place I'm thinking of.
1: Oh. Is yours in the mall?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's in the mall. All
1: right, it must be the same place that I'm getting wrong. Yeah, you You know what oh, I... Oh,
3: no, no. I, I think I know what you're talking about. There's two Greek places that are opposite corners of the food court. What is It's Greek to Me? What is It's Greek to You?
1: Wow. Is, I, don't you wonder... If they if they started together and then they had a falling out and tell you what the falling out was over, I'll tell you what the falling out was over.
0: And this is a guess. The 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 legitimacy of the Greek food, because if it's Greek to me, then it might not be Greek to you. And if it's Greek to you. It might not be Greek. I think if it's, if it's Greek, it, think of the place that it's Greek to you is it's just barely Greek. And you're an American. You're not going to know the difference. It's Greek to me is this is Greek. You're going to hate it.
1: Yeah. Yes. yes, yes, yes. I agree with that. That's exactly, th- that's exactly what I would say if I, if I had said what you just said.
2: And being the Greek person in the group here, that is absolutely right. The way you just broke down Greek culture is something you should be proud of.
1: Yes.
3: I just know that I'm craving that tzatziki from it's Greek to me. Wait, wait, from it's Greek to you. Sorry.
1: Well, the tzatziki from it's Greek to you is probably just yogurt. But the tzatziki from it's Greek to me is... Mostly
3: cucumber, yeah.
1: Cucumber dill, all the, all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah.
2: Now, cucumber is something I never get confused with. It's, it's very clear it's a cucumber.
1: Okay, so if somebody's going to hand you a spaghetti squash, an eggplant, and a zucchini, you're going to be confused about it. But if there's a cucumber in there, you're immediately like, no, I know that's a cucumber.
2: Exactly. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I think that's just your heritage coming through. You know, that's, that's just in your genes. Um, so yeah, yeah. It sounds like because you guys have such an interesting thing with your nieces and your nephews, due to the fact that you only talk to the ones on the other side. Is there any tips that you have? You know, uh, you know, none of us have you know our own children except for the children that we have that are our nieces and nephews. But what is some advice you might have for aunts and uncles out there as to have a good relationship with your nieces and your nephews?
1: And it sounds like each of you is probably going to have a different answer. Uh, which we love about. That's the fun. That's the most fun.
2: Well, what I would say is, I mean, I don't like my nieces and nephews, but they don't necessarily know it. I still send them gift cards on their birthday. I still, you know, wave when I'm dropping fat off for the holidays from the car I wave. So, uh, you know, there's no reason that they should know that I dislike them. So I would say just lie and everything's fine, and you know, as long as they're getting uh, their twenty-five dollars to whatever Best Buy, <laughs> then uh, that's all they care about. And I, I bet, I bet if Thad were to say, "Who's your favorite aunt?" they would say, Cece, not having seen
1: me in ten or twelve years. Do they have other ants?
3: Oh yeah, well she's one of twelve, one so of 12. yeah, Should they have.
1: Oh right, yes, yeah, upwards
3: of a couple dozen ants, probably.
2: I know yeah, it's it confusing but, to us too. It's a lot. It's a lot. That's on me.
0: That, that- tracks though. Yeah. That tracks though, because I, my my nieces and nephews, you know, I feel like if I just threw them and I often do just throw the money and leave them alone, that's when I'm at the top of the list. Yeah. exactly.
3: Yeah. So she has 57 nieces and nephews uh, and they each get $25 from Best Buy every year. And so in fairness, my niece, Lily, from whom I am estranged gets a Best Buy card for the same amount that we gave her nieces and nephews. So she cleans up.
1: She gets a, she gets a gift card that's uh, $1,425. You've
3: exactly. done the math. You've done the math. <laughs> now, all right.
1: I don't ever remember that number.
2: I always have to look it up. I have a, a Google Doc where I keep the listings of all the names of my family. And then on a separate spreadsheet, it's just Lily.
3: Usually around December first, I'll find that Google Doc under my penis, and then I'll I'll do the shopping for the family.
2: Yes, and I I use my iPad because I don't want my phone on his penis because I put that on my face.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Did you, did you? You know? Do you print it out because uh, a whole laptop under there?
2: So it sounds like
0: fairness. Fairness is important. Not letting them know that you don't like them or care for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Add anything that you find useful in. Um, your relationship with CeCe's uh, nieces and nephews?
3: Well, it's good to have a cheat sheet, first of all. Uh, so I do ask for current pictures from all of your siblings and, uh, and sisters-in-law, brothers-in-law. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm always walking around with a document that matches a face to a name. There's also a lot of Nick Juniors uh, in, in the family, not to be confused with the television channel. <laughs>
1: You know where, where it would start getting me is if how many Papadose?
3: Yeah, a few Papadose juniors, yeah. Papa die.
2: Yeah, don't yeah. ask me. I don't know.
3: <laughs> uh, Papa is still alive, though.
1: So. Yes, Papa's still alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, is it like, oh, my God. Is, so is that like, you know how people call somebody who's like, you know, um, the third, like the, their nickname is Trey? Does Papadose mean like the second like is it is it a generational thing?
3: That's um, right. That's as the
1: right. one Greek person here, let me say that that is absolutely
2: correct, a hundred percent.
1: I love when I get things right.
3: And I feel like Nea Vardalos didn't didn't cover that in her in her one woman show or her movie.
2: I mean, don't get me started on that movie or that show.
3: Well, you, that. you you wish that Rita Wilson had seen you and. And that made you a multi-millionaire.
2: It, it, here's the thing. We were there the same night that Rita and Tom were there. Now, this is crazy, right? Because we just happened to be in LA because we wanted to go to Universal Studios. And we opened up the paper. And wouldn't you know it, this woman who I've never heard of before is doing a whole show about my big fat Greek wedding. The weird thing about that was that when we first got married, I called our marriage my big fat Greek wedding because I was a little... Well, I was eating a lot at the time and I couldn't fit into my dress. So.
3: Yeah, the family wasn't fat. Cece was fat. I was
2: fat. So I thought it was going to be a, a show about uh, body image and accepting yourself for who you are. And we get there and it's this crazy Greek family who are way more charming than my Greek family is. <laughs> Rita Wilson was in the audience and. Oh,
3: the rest is history. It, it made $200 million. <laughs>
2: And I'm furious because I feel like I have a better Greek story. That was your
3: story to tell. That was
2: my story. I bet you wouldn't have pushed Windex so hard.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have so much Windex. I'm sitting on so much because I thought, oh, my God. I ran out. I saw the movie. I thought, oh, my God. Once people start watching the movie, they're going to use it for everything. I've
1: got so much Windex. Oh, my God. My Big Fat Greek Wedding is just a commercial for Windex. Nia Vardalos, however you say her name, she's a, she's a real estate novelist, but she's, doing, she's she's a brand screenwriter.
2: Oh, my gosh. N- another reason to hate Nia Vardalos. Yes, you're exactly right. We have to get rid of every single Windex bottle we have in this
1: house. Did it make you feel better, what happened with my Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 or whatever? Did that make you feel better? I mean, that take- I hate to be petty, but...
2: When that movie stank it up,
3: straight to video,
2: straight to video, we threw a party. We did, and if I had known you at the time, I would have invited you. That's the only reason that we didn't invite you is because we didn't know you yet.
3: Thank but you. The, but the, the little phyllo pastries you made were, were fantastic.
2: I, I gotta say,
0: uh, Fad and Cece, you two are meant for each other. You're like, um, you're like, uh, like if you had two spoons that were different sizes. But they, you know, one rests in the other one. And I hope that you can see that because, boy, uh, I sure do. It's aspirational for your old Aunt Pat over here.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know what it's like? It's like two different things, I'm going to say. One of them is the spoon thing just going off of you. You ever go to a travel plaza and there's uh, collector spoons? and You're like you're like two different sized, different aged collector spoons from two different areas. Because you're your own thing, you're beautiful in your own way. You're gorgeous. You got like details that the other one doesn't have. But when you put those spoons, you know, on top of one another or whatever, they fit somehow. And that's perfect. And you also remind me of like when two tropical storms are coming in and they're like gunning for Florida, but they're coming in from two different areas. You know what I mean?
3: Well, well, we appreciate it. And And
1: we've actually been stuck in a tropical storm
2: together before, so that makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, was that Andrew?
2: Yes, that was uh, Hurricane, I'm sorry, different than Tropical Storm. Well,
3: he started out as Tropical Storm Andrew and then became Hurricane Andrew.
2: Killed a lot of people.
3: Devastating, devastating storm, but our our marriage survived.
2: Mm -hmm. Our second marriage, well, that That was was our second. It didn't survive, but then we got married again.
3: Right, Right, right.
2: Yeah. If you did, you do different vows every time. Well, funny enough, um, Thad learned Greek, and he he did his vows in Greek, and I did mine in English.
3: Mine kind of followed an alpha beta beta alpha rhyme scheme.
2: I'm I'm not quite sure either.
0: It's just I'm 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 so tired from a distance. <laughs> <laughs>
1: From a Distance is my favorite Bette Midler song, and it was the most requested song of 1991.
3: And that's poetry.
1: It is poetry. All right,
0: well, that's a wrap. Um, this has just been a real delight. And, uh, uh, boy, I, I, I just give you both a lot of credit, and uh, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't be happy that you came here to do this. And uh, before we wrap it up today, um, uh, I've got a, a mantra from Carol Doyle that we like to we like to do a mantra at the end of the show. And today's mantra is wait, and
1: wait, wait, oh, wait. I just got to say I just want to say that when you hear these mantras, <laughs> you know, take a second, close your eyes, let this you know kind of rattle around in your noodle and think about it because what you're getting here for free is the wisdom of a woman who simply won't stop sending us these. And we don't want it to. We don't want it to. We're lucky. We're happy. We're grateful. It is the only prepared anything for this podcast. And just think about it. Think about how lucky you are to witness what Carol Doyle sends us every week. Um, Because I know I I feel lucky. So uh, with that, Pat, please, the mantra for this week.
0: The mantra for this week is... Ants in your pants, you lucky bastard. It always leaves something to th- really think about because it, it usually paints a picture, and now we're back to poetry. You know what? That's fine.
3: That might have been a perfect haiku. Oh,
1: my God. No oh boy. E- you a- ants in your pants, you luck.
3: Well, it's several syllables short.
1: 575 it's yeah what have you repeated I would be bummed if it was a haiku (laughs) all right no more no more poetry for you all right we're sorry we're sorry
0: it just makes me feel small so that's on me again every time every week I learn something valuable about myself and and I'm acting in a defensive way because poetry makes me feel small so you know what that means Challenge accepted. I'm going to read some poetry. Thad, you're going to send me some poems I should be reading.
3: All right.
1: Yeah, I think you should. I I would love that. We could do a poetry week. Uh, I I would love that. And I want you to think there are two things, two lines of poetry that, to me, uh, everything poetry embodies. One of them is, because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me, which is Emily Dickinson. Beautiful, right? Another is, um, what you talking about, Willis? I'm the illest. You know, my name is Adam. Stop calling me Phyllis. And that is from my favorite personal poem, which is The Brew Haha by the Beastie Boys. So you take your pick. Poetry is what you make of it. Well,
3: yeah. I'm, I'm going to send you The Ride of Paul Revere by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and I'm going to send you Paul Revere by the Beastie Boys.
1: You should be teaching that class, <laughs> The Beastie Boys in Modern Poetry. Please, please do it. Two classes a week, please.
2: This mantra for me is basically my relationship with that. He is the ants in my pants, but I am a lucky bastard to have him.
3: God bless you.
1: I think that's a perfect way to end this. Aspirational. Season. Aspirational for real. Uh, Cece, Dad, we love you so much. Thank you for joining we us.
0: love you. I love you too. We, yeah, I love you guys and I love you, Mags. Love you, Pat.
2: All right. Hi there. Thanks for listening to those who went to Baby Makers podcast starring Colleen Doyle as your aunt Pat and Dana Carcioli as your auntie Megs. If you liked this podcast, subscribe, rate, and review us. Aunt Cece and Uncle Thad were played by the ridiculously affable and fantastically funny Carla and Craig Kikowski. Need more Kikowski? Follow them on Twitter at Kikowski and at Carla Kakowski. Check out the improv duo at OrangeTuxedoImprov and listen to their movie review podcast Craigslist. Our theme song was performed by the Q's, and you can follow them at the Q's Music on Instagram. Follow those who ants on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any questions for the ants, email us at those who at gmail dot Thank you for listening. Stay healthy, wear a mask, and for God's sakes, just call your aunt.